This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here solo this week. Uh, Joey couldn't make it this week, and that's all good. But tomorrow, we're going on a little bit of a road trip. We're going on a road trip to the Fantasy Football Expo. Yes, there are events catered around fantasy football. Uh, it's going to take place in Canton, Ohio, home of the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, and that's where we're headed. We're taking a road trip together from New Jersey all the way to Ohio uh, for the weekend. Looking forward to meeting a lot of other uh, fellow fantasy, quote-unquote, analysts, uh, meeting other NFL fans. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So we're going to get back together this weekend. But today, uh, solo podcast. And this episode is really, it's just all about guys who are on the rise in terms of price, in terms of ADP, guys who are on the fall, guys who are falling. Um, and I'm going to kind of break down whether like I like the prices, whether they're uh, whether I, I would pay the prices that you know these guys have moved up to, whether they... Uh, whether these guys are guys I'm targeting, uh, that sort of thing. Um, whether I'm buying or selling on the hype trains, uh, a few training camp updates, and um, listen, we had two preseason games tonight. I'm recording this on Thursday night. Uh, this pack podcast is coming out Friday morning, August 13th. So uh, throughout this, I'll be talking about a couple of the players who actually made an appearance uh, in these two preseason games. So uh, through and they are part of the risers and the fallers. Uh, so you'll be able to you know kind of get an idea of what I think of their usage uh, in this in their first uh, in and you know for, in, in the Steelers case in the second preseason game, uh, in particular Najee Harris. Right. So um, let's go ahead and get started. Um, but before I get into these players, I do have a couple of sponsors and a couple of partners I want to talk about real quick. Uh, the first is Underdog. Underdog Fantasy, uh, basically they're known for simply being the best platform for best ball. And if you're wondering what best ball is, you basically draft a team and you're done. No waiver wires every week, no roster moves. One of the most fun aspects of fantasy football is the draft, right? And you can do as many drafts as you want for money or with your friends in private drafts. Uh, They have a great app, by the way, so you can draft on the go. If you're bored, do a draft. Now, if you sign up for Underdog and you make your first deposit using the code UPPERHAND, all one word, you'll get a free $25, period. You can use that $25 to enter any contest. And as of this recording, one of their biggest tournaments, the Puppy 2, is a few spot, there's a few spots left, only a few spots. Uh, and there are, there are $500,000 in prizes in that tournament. 
So to ent- enter the puppy too, it's only a $5 entry. So that gives you five entries with that free $25 that you're going to get with the code Upper Hand Fantasy. I'm sorry, with the code Upper Hand. So, you know, you better go do that now if you want to get into that tournament. They have another tournament, a mega tournament called the Best Ball Mania 2, which has a $25 entry. And you can enter that boy, that bad boy for free with your free $25. So that one has a $1 million first place prize as part of a $3.5 million prize pool. Legit. So if you want to test your drafting skills against others, this is for you. Make your first deposit with upper hand, all one word, um, and have fun drafting. The second sponsor I wanted to talk about, um, I'm sure many of you are in need of a trophy for your league, maybe a perpetual trophy that you pass around that has multiple plaques on it, you know, with the year of who won the team, uh, you know, with the name of who won, right? Uh, the team name of who won, you know, that's this is obviously the ultimate bragging right. Right, So it, if this is sitting in your living room or you're in the office or in your bedroom, you'll be constantly reminded that you dominated your fantasy football league. Right, If you need a trophy or, or you need to upgrade your league's trophy, you have to consider Trophy Smack. Trophy Smack has amazing quality trophies. They were on Shark Tank, um, and they are rewarding the champions of fantasy leagues for a limited time. With the purchase of any championship belt or trophy, you'll get a free championship ring that will stay with the champion forever. You might have to pass that trophy around, you know, and get it engraved every year with the new team name and the year. Obviously, your team name and the year will stay on that trophy as one of those plaques, but you won't have to pass that ring off after you win the trophy. That's yours forever. Just add the trophy and the $59 value ring to the cart. Use the code UPPERHANDFANTASY, all one word, and that ring will be free. Make sure to use Trophy Smack for all your fantasy football trophy needs with promo code UPPERHANDFANTASY, all one word, and uh, get that trophy for your league. Your league deserves it. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, I want to talk about a few risers. Um, And the first guy I want to talk about is Michael Carter. Uh, Michael Carter is looking like the clear 1A in that Jets backfield. Um, He is separating himself from all the other running backs. So it looks like he has made his way to the top of the depth chart as a rookie. So he's somebody you're looking at, you know, around the seventh round in 12-team PPR leagues. I'm willing to pay that price. Even in the 1A in this type of offense, Michael Carter is someone that I've liked. He's my, he was my RB4 in terms of the rookie class. He's definitely undersized, but and he, he might not get a full workhorse, you know, type of workload, and that's okay. I'm happy uh, with him at that price. Even if he gets around 15 touches or so per game, you know, if four or five of those touches come in the passing game, you're talking about an RB2 right there in PPR leagues. So I'm cool with that price. He's a really good player. He's explosive. Uh, he has great contact balance, um, and he's a pretty good runner for his size. So he's, it's not just about the passing game with Michael Carter. Uh, he's looking the part in camp. So that I think the Jets had a home run with this pick. Uh, especially where they grab them in the fourth round. Obviously, fourth round running backs don't, you know, always pan out to fantasy success, especially, you know, when we're talking about, you know, top 12, top 24 guys. Uh, But Michael Carter has a chance to do some things in his rookie year, you know, until the Jets find a bona fide guy uh, to to pair with him, right, in a committee. As of right now, I'm not sure there's anybody that's standing out in a huge way as the 1B to, to kind of, like, make sure that they get touches over Michael Carter. Daryl Henderson, you know, you're likely looking at him, you know, in the early fifth round or so. Um, I'm okay with that. 
right? I think I'm drafting him over Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin at this point. Um, there's obviously some ambiguity in the Falcons' backfield as well as the Dolphins' backfield, to be honest. Miles Gaskin uh, has the upside you know, to catch a lot of passes this year. But Dal Henderson right now, Sean Mavay said they're going to keep him in bubble wrap for the entire preseason. You know, he was adamant about not playing him this preseason. That means he has huge plans for him. He obviously does not want him to get hurt. He only has Xavier Jones behind him. He has played zero snaps for the Rams so far, uh, even as a rookie last year. Um, but Dal Henderson is somebody that, you know, if you're drafting him, yeah, are you taking a little bit of risk? Sure. Uh, but I think that it's a, it's a high upside risk, right? Because if you know that Dal Henderson is the every down back, or at least a three down back going into this season, he would be at least a third round pick, right? Uh, and the reason why he's a fifth round pick and likely won't go above that is because of the ambiguity. But taking that shot, it could pay off, right? With Daryl Henderson. If they sign a veteran like Le'Veon Bell, obviously things get very dicey. Uh, but at the same time, Daryl Henderson, you know, when he was healthy early last season, he got his touches, he did his thing. Uh, so I'm perfectly fine taking him in the fifth, especially if I need some running back depth. He's there, and I don't love, love, love the wide receivers on the board. Most of the time, to be honest with you, I do like the wide receivers on the board. <laughs> uh, but um, he is somebody that I'm considering. If I need an RB2, right, and I kind of drafted a bunch of wide receivers, I drafted, a, you know, maybe drafted a tight end somewhere in those first four rounds, then I'm looking at Daryl Henderson because he has the upside uh, uh, to be that three down back. And if I can get that in the fifth round, I'm going to take it. Okay. Looking at Elijah Moore now, Elijah Moore, obviously destroying camp. He's somebody who I just don't want to leave drafts with without, right? Uh, you can get him in the 11th round, 12th round, 13th round, depending on the platform you're drafting in, right? Um, depending on the platform you're drafting in, he's either going in, you know, anywhere as early as the 11th round, all the way to like the 14th, 15th round, depending on, you know, whether on Yahoo, ESPN, fan track, sleeper, whatever the case may be. Uh, but Elijah Moore, just, you know, study your platform, know where you're drafting, know where he's likely to come off the board and act accordingly, because he is somebody who reminds me of, you know, a player who could break out like OBJ did in his rookie year. Seriously, that's how, that's how it feels to me. He's absolutely killing it in camp. Um, you know, beat reporters are just saying that he's just making play after play after play, and he's just spectacular in every single practice. So uh, he's somebody that I want to get on my team, uh, and you know, I just you know, he might be I might have like a hundred percent exposure on Elijah Moore this year, unless his price gets too out of hand. Uh, but I just don't know a price I'm not willing to pay. If his price goes up to the ninth round, like so be it. It is what it is. I just want that guy. Chase Clay, oh, by the way, Elijah Moore does have a quad injury. Just want to, you know, kind of preface all that. It doesn't seem to be serious, so just keep an eye out. You know, if you draft him today, understand that, you know, he he does have uh, an existing injury, and they might take it a little easy with him. It does not seem serious. Uh, they will get an MRI, uh, but, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. He's probably going to get an MRI on Friday. Chase Claypool, you know, his ADP is rising a little bit. I understand it. Um, he's he's somebody who I love as a prospect, especially after what he did his rookie year. His rookie year numbers, you know, have indicators of very good fantasy football seasons in the future. 
I just don't know that he reaches that upside with Ben as his quarterback. Uh, just because of Ben's arm, that sort of thing. You know, Ben's arm is more indicative of throwing to Najee Harris than throwing to Deontay Johnson, throwing to Juju, get those targets there. They're going to manufacture targets for Claypool. I just don't know that he reaches that upside this year. So I don't, I'm not going to have that much exposure to Claypool in redraft leagues this year. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, I don't love Claypool's ADP. Like he's going to the five, six turns, six, six round ish right now. Um, but there are wide receivers I'd rather draft over Claypool at that price. Jerry Judy going in the seventh, eighth round. Um, I, I'm, I, I like that. You know, he's likely in most drafts. Like I see him going in the sixth, seventh turn. You know, in some platforms you're lucky and you can get him in like the seventh, eighth turn, something like that. Uh, but Jerry Judy is a is a prime breakout candidate going into the second year, uh, even with Drew Locke. You know, at quarterback, obviously I prefer Teddy Bridgewater for Jerry Judy, uh, but Jerry Judy is a very polished route runner. He can separate with the best of them, right? And honestly, like with the amount of like uncatchable targets that he had last year, uh, you combine that with the with with the drops that he had. There's no way that he's going to have a worse season than he did last year as a rookie. His rookie season was un- undervalued. Um, and I think going into his second season, regardless of who his quarterback is, I think he's going to be uh, the number one target for the Broncos uh, over Corlin Sutton um, and over Noah Fant. I really do. So I'm willing to take a shot on Judy just because he has the upside of being one of the best wide receivers in the league at some point. And uh, I'm willing to take a shot that he he does something you know, that shows that he can be one of the best wide receivers as soon as his second year. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, you know, he is somebody I'm not necessarily in on this season. I just think that guys like Marvin Jones and DJ Shark are cheaper and they're going to be uh, targeted down the field. And Chenault is likely going to get most of his targets, you know, short to intermediate, right? And I, I feel like Sure, like he might be able to rack up some receptions, but is it going to be enough to give you the upside that you're looking for, right? DJ Sharks, uh, he had, he had, uh, he he has a he had finger surgery, but he's going to be fine for week one. Uh, he's somebody that I'm targeting, especially with his price dropping now. Um, and then you have Marvin Jones, who's going even later than him, um, who is a you know perfectly fine candidate. I don't know if he has the upside that DJ Shark does, but now that DJ Shark has a quarterback upgrade, um, and on top of that, you know. He's in a new system. I think that DJ Shark is somebody that, even though, you know, he had his thing with Urban Meyer, with Urban Meyer wanting him to play more physical, there's a reason why Urban Meyer wanted him to do that. There's a reason why Urban Meyer challenged him to get bigger, to play more physical. And DJ Shark did just that. He gained some muscle, and he appreciated that. So I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing. And I think DJ Shark, he's won in the past against good quarters. And I think he can do it again with a better quarterback. So I'm willing to take a shot on DJ Shark. I know that he didn't have much college production as as a prospect. It, he, he's not promising, uh, but at the same time, second round draft capital, um, and I think that he could potentially uh, make a resurgence. We've seen his, his ceiling in the past, and when things were right for him, he's done his thing. So with his price dropping, I'm more in on him than I am with Lavisca Chenault's ADP increasing. So, so Chenault, I'm not really targeting him in many leagues this year, unfortunately. I was looking at Chenault as a potential, you know, slash guy in Urban Meyer's offense. But, you know, looking back on it, it probably wasn't the best comp 
even though Chenault was a running back, you know, and played wide receiver as well, um, you know, he wasn't necessarily the best comp because he's not a quick guy. He's not a fast guy, you know, like Etienne is. So Etienne is going to end up playing that role. Now, LaVisca Chenault is kind of off my draft board. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, um, damn, like his ADP has risen like crazy. I've seen him go at the end of the fourth at times. Chill, like I, I get it. Like I, I'm a fan of Ayuk. Like sixth round, like great. Like I'm in. Like I'm drafting him there. I'm cool with that. I, I really love his talent. Um, he reminded me of OBJ uh, when he was coming out. Uh, but sixth round, like this is gonna be a run heavy offense. But as the, I think as the X receiver, I think he's gonna be the alpha wide receiver at least. Um, sixth round, I'm good with that. And I think he can take a big step forward. But the end of the fourth, there's a lot of guys I'd rather have there than Brandon Ayuk. He could prove me wrong for sure, but I just feel like I'm paying for his ceiling. You know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm going to end up doing that. But like somewhere around the sixth round, I'm, I'm good with that. I think Ayuk is going to be targeted more downfield than someone like Debo, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is going to get a lot of his targets short to intermediate. You know, he'll have his deep stuff here and there but probably more on like trick looks and trick plays and stuff like that um but i think Ayuk will be running routes more consistently downfield which is why i like him better than Ayuk, and why i think that he's just going to have overall better production this year uh randall cobb obviously gets gets a boost um you know he was kind of a lost man in houston uh he got traded back with this boy aaron Rodgers. you know they drafted a slot wide receiver already right um, in Amari Rodgers, but Randall Cobb is likely going to replace him in the slot. I think he is going to, at least. That would be hilarious if Randall Cobb got traded, if Aaron Rodgers just wanted Randall Cobb to just sit on the bench. You know, that was one of his demands. I don't know. I'm assuming Cobb is going to be in the slot, and, you know, I'm not I'm not so excited about Cobb. He hasn't been able to stay healthy consistently uh, throughout his career. He obviously had that one ridiculous year, and I just have a hard time just holding on to that year. So uh, I'm good on Cobb. Like, even, even in the teen rounds, I'm not, like, super excited about him. Um, so I'm going to pass regardless of what his price is. I just think that there's a lot of other guys, especially in the teen rounds, like, i just rather shoot for upside at that point. Uh, Trey Lance, you know, rightfully, like, his, he's rising rightfully so, man. Um, he's killing it at camp, apparently. Um, I, it's music to my ears. Another thing that's music to my ears is him choosing to tuck it, run it, in, tucking it and running it in passing plays. Um, a lot of his production in college came on, you know, uh, design runs. And the fact that, like, you know, on design pass plays, he's choosing to tuck and run, that's great. For fantasy purposes, that's amazing. For an NFL quarterback scout, they might not agree with that if a wide receiver was open or whatever, but I'm happy with that as long as he doesn't lose his job, right? Um, but besides the running, though, like apparently Trey Lance has been like on point with his throws in practice. So um, he's somebody that I'm looking to draft late in, in, in a lot of leagues. Um, he should be a late-round target. And I, he, like, he's like an example of when I would draft two quarterbacks. Right, um, you know, one option is like you draft the quarterback at tenth, eleventh, twelfth round, and you know, assuming that quarterbacks are coming off the board at a relatively decent pace, uh, they pick Trey Lance a little bit later than that, right? Maybe in the thirteenth round, something. You know, assuming that he he's he's not going earlier than that, right? In some platforms, I've seen him go in the eleventh round, twelfth round. Uh, Jimmy G is still there. They're saying that he's still the starter. I don't buy it. I think that Jimmy G is either going to get traded or bench at some point. Uh, given how good, how well Trey Lance is playing right now, um, 
But Trey Lance is somebody that, you know, you want to draft regardless because he has that ridiculous upside because he's a good passer and he's a good rusher. So I might draft Trey Lance super late, right, and then end up drafting another quarterback who's serviceable for a couple of weeks. And then when Trey Lance comes in, he's that guy. He's that dude, right? That's, that's how I'm treating Trey Lance. He has weapons, great system, great coach. I'm in. Okay, so Antonio Gibson played tonight. Um, you know, one of the main things with Antonio Gibson for me at his price was if he played the same role he played last year, forget about, you know, other early down backs, right? I'm, I'm worried about J.D. McKissick, right? So I wanted to see whether Antonio Gibson would stay on the field on third downs. And we got a, we got a pretty good opportunity to see what, what, at least right now, what Antonio Gibson was ready for. He did get three targets on two drives on Thursday night with the starters, which is great. But he didn't see a snap on third down. J.D. McKissick was in on those situations. On two third downs, J.D. McKissick was in, and Peyton Barber was in on the third and short. So you tell me. Obviously, those three targets is great, right? That's what you want to see, right? You want to see Antonio Gibson get those practice targets, uh, you know, in, in a preseason game. That's amazing. Now, will he see all those targets on early downs? I don't know about that. Curtis Samuel is still, you know, one of their wide receivers, right? Obviously, you know, they, they got another bona fide stud in Terry, Terry McLaurin. Um, you know, they got Logan Thomas. So they have other guys they could throw to on early downs. So the fact that Antonio Gibson wasn't in the game on, in passing situations, you know, that's something to, to monitor, right? Especially over the next couple of weeks. So I wouldn't assume that he's going to be a Christian McCaffrey type of back in terms of playing uh, playing time. That's one of the things that will a lot of people talking about him being having the overall running back one season. This first preseason game wasn't a good indicator of that happening, unless J.D. McKissick were to get hurt, were to go down to injury. That's the only way I see that, judging by how they played that first preseason game. But we'll see. We'll see. Is this, am I okay with a second-round price tag? If I'm drafting today, you know, I'd rather take guys like Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, you know, guys like that, um, over Antonio Gibson if I'm drafting today. That's just how I feel about it. But I'm hoping that, you know, things change, and I'm hoping that Antonio Gibson does his thing and he surprises everybody uh, with, it, with, uh, with an addition to his role. But, you know, three targets on two drives, not bad. Zach Moss uh, apparently doing his thing at camp, separating himself as, as the clear RB1 there, um, which is great news. I mean, I really liked him as a prospect. I thought he was, a, he was good in all aspects of the game, on the goal line, on early downs, in the passing game. I think he just did everything better than Devin Singletary, to be honest with you. Um, so that's great. The only thing is that the Bills don't use their running backs that much. Now, if Zach Moss was healthy last year, if he didn't have that, link, that toe injury in the beginning of the year, would that have changed? Maybe. I don't know. Would they have used him more in the past game? Maybe. Would they have run the ball more? Maybe. But now that Zach Moss is healthy coming into this year, do they use him more? Is he worth taking a shot on late? 10th round, 11th round, 12th round? Yeah, I think so. As depth, as some, for some upside on a great offense, why not? Obviously, you know, Josh Allen's going to steal some goal line, you know, rushes or a lot of goal line rushes for sure. But Moss is somebody, you know, in that first, second preseason game, first preseason game, he was targeted in the red zone, he was using the red zone over Devin Singletary. We knew what their plans were going into 2020. So going into 2021, maybe they have more plans for him. 
I think it's worth have he's worth having your roster. He's worth taking the shot on. But remember, uh, he could be very he could as as much as he has the upside, he has a downside too. He might be a cut candidate for you after a couple weeks. It's very possible. Terrace Marshall, somebody that I'm drafting, you know, with my last pick, um, you know, in a lot of drafts. If you paid, if you've been paying attention to my mocks, he's been my last pick in a lot of a lot of drafts. Uh, Terrace Marshall, somebody um, who has been killing it at camp. They're quote unquote force feeding him. He's a red zone monster, um, and he's you know playing the part, right? Obviously, he's paired up, you know, with his uh, former offensive coordinator at LSU in that crazy season with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And Justin Jefferson, um, you know, with uh, with Joe Brady at LSU, and you know they're back doing their thing together. So Terrace Marshall, you know, somebody that you know you probably want to look at. Sam Darnold, more of a gunslinger than Teddy Bridgewater, so that that's a good thing for Terrace Marshall. Maybe you know Sam Darnold will force throws a little bit towards Terrace Marshall, even even when he's covered. That's what you want. Um, so Terrace Marshall should be somebody. You know, he's a rookie who's extremely talented. Um, and he was, you know, he was playing behind those two bona fide wide receivers. I don't know why I keep using that word. Um, but Terrace Marshall, somebody who, you know, who once those guys left, Terrace Marshall did his thing, you know, and broke out in a big way. Brian Edwards, another guy, like just like Terrace Marshall, taking him with my last pick in drafts. Brian Edwards, if you didn't see my post on him today, on Thursday, August 12th, I basically go into detail about why Brian Edwards can do his thing. John Gruden talked about him looking at like T.O. out there. And when he, when he described Henry Ruggs in the same sentence, or the same, same, at the same time, he said that, you know, Henry Ruggs is, is getting there. So that doesn't seem like he likes Henry Ruggs as much as he likes Brian Edwards. Beat reporters are talking about he doesn't look like Terrell Owens. He looks like Randy Moss out there because he's catching everything. He's mossing people. Even even when he's co- fully covered, he's catching everything. That's how they're describing Brian Edwards right now. I didn't hear this, but one of one of uh, my followers on Instagram said that he's a Raiders fan. He said that Derek Carr reminds him. Derek Carr said Brian Edwards reminds him of Devontae Adams. These are a lot of big names I'm throwing out there. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But as a last pick for some upside, in a in clear opportunity where the Raiders need a wide receiver one. Who's playing ahead of John Brown? By the way, John Brown's playing with the, with the second team. I think he's worth taking a shot on for sure. And this is not considering his college numbers. He had a fifty percent dominator rating at some point. If you don't know what a dominator rating is, it's the percentage of production of your you know that you had, and then you know you kind of and the ratio from that to what your overall team's production is. So he had 50% of his team's production when you're talking about yards and touchdowns in a single year. That's crazy. Not only that, but he broke out at 17 years old, which is, which is the 99th percentile of when a college kid breaks out. That means that when did he reach the 20% threshold uh, of his college uh, of his team's production? He did it at 17. That's the 99th percentile. He was drafted in the second round which means that that gives him even more of a chance to be a top 24 wide receiver at some point in his career. So, yeah, Brian Edwards is somebody I'll be drafting in any league I can. Uh, Marquez Callaway, you know, another guy, you know, late round, uh, you know, 16th round, 17th round type of guy. 
Um, he's killing it in camp also in Saints camp while Michael Thomas is out. He's looking like their wide receiver one at this point uh, without Michael Thomas. Even with Michael Thomas coming back at some point, Michael, Marquez Callaway could still be doing his thing, right? This doesn't have to be, uh, you know, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara show. It doesn't have to be. There could be another another guy involved. So don't, you know, since Callaway is killing it, uh, he's improved to a point where, you know, he's do, he's shining out and showing out in camp. It's still worth taking a shot. Um, so in, in order, Brian Edwards, Terrace Marshall, Marquez Callaway, in that order, I'm taking those guys. I'm taking shots on those guys in that order. Another super late guy, like, like this is in extremely deep leagues, and this might be more towards, uh, you know, deep dynasty leagues. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Browns wide receiver, killing it at camp. Obviously, you know, he's a little bit below in the depth chart, but, you know, a lot of beat reporters are talking about him being the MVP of camp. And honestly, it's not that much of a surprise to me. You know, of out of all rookie wide receivers last year with at least 20 targets, you know who was second in yards per route run to Justin Jefferson last year? Peoples-Jones. Then came Claypool, then Higgins, then Lamb, then Ayuk, then Judy. So I'm not drafting him in like a 12-team PPR, but I'm definitely paying attention to him. As I know, the Browns, you know, aren't going to run a ton of 11 personnel, right? They're going to run two wide receiver sets. So, you know, but if OBJ and Landry or Landry aren't healthy at some point, you know, obviously they have Higgins too, but he'll be a deep waiver wire ad. He might get some opportunity. Uh, He's definitely a dynasty ad at this point. Another deep dynasty ad randomly is Michael Strachan, Strachan. He's a seventh-round Colts rookie wide receiver who's similarly killing it at camp. So someone to look out for as well. If you don't, you know, if you have a, a spot at the end of your roster in the deep dynasty league, why not? Um, Anthony Miller, he's a good best ball target right now, you know, in case Watson ends up playing for the Texans this year miraculously, right? Um, on the Bears, you know, he showed, obviously, he showed promise. He was a good prospect. Um, he showed some talent. But if if he gets, you know, if Watson is the guy, Anthony Miller becomes the wide receiver too there, you know, behind Brandon Cooks. That's some fantasy. He's a wide receiver three automatically. I want to talk about Devontae Booker real quick. If your running back depth ends up sucking, draft him at the end of your draft to get a potential RB2 play in week one if Saquon misses. That's all I have to say about that. He could be a three down back. Cooper Cup. He's somebody who's who's rising right now, um, rightfully so, man. Um, Eleven personnel, you know, is going to be the name of the game for the Rams' offense this year. Cooper Cup is going to be moving, you know, back into the slot this year, back into where he's most comfortable. He has a quarterback upgrade in Matthew Stafford. Um, he was playing a lot on the outside last year, where Cooper Cup, honestly, he just can't win out there, right? Um, and, you know, it wasn't his comfort zone. Either that or he had to stay off the field because they didn't have a slot wide receiver, you know, slot position to put him in. But this year, they got rid of one of their tight ends in Gerald Everett. They only have one, you know, legit tight end. And now they have Van Jefferson, they have Deshaun Jackson, they have Robert Woods, and they have Cooper Cup. So they're going to have three wide receivers on the field almost at all times. So Cooper Cup going back into the slot. I just think of Matthew Stafford with Golden Tate back in the day. Obviously, Robert Woods, he gets an upgrade as well. But I love Cooper Cup. I love the fact that his ADP, you know, obviously, I don't love the fact that his ADP has risen. But I'm okay paying the price, you know, of a uh, of a fourth-round pick or so. I know I know some people are drafting him in the third round. I get it. Uh, I'm okay with it as long as it's like an end of third round-ish 
price uh, once a lot of these running backs and wide receivers are off the board. Tua is apparently having a great camp, you know, so you might want to, you know, draft a couple of his wide receivers, Jalen Waddle, you know, uh, you might want to draft. Listen, I know we think that Will Fuller was a Deshaun Watson product. You might think that, but Will Fuller is a baller and he's going super late in drafts right now. Um, so, you know, let's just, let's say that Will Fuller, you know, is healthy. I'm drafting him. He has a wide receiver one. Uh, he's capable as a wide receiver one. So I am, you know, in on his price. I'm willing to take a shot on him, even though he's going to be suspended. I think he just he just has to finish up one more game this year. But I'm happy taking him as a potential wide receiver one. And then you have Jalen Waddle, who's looking great in camp as well. Uh, but the point is that Tua looks really good at camp. All the beat reporters are saying that he's doing his thing. So you might want to take a shot on Tua in deep leagues, in two quarterback leagues. Consider him. That's all I want to say. All I want to talk about is him, you know, doing his thing in camp um, and him playing pretty well. So Damian Harris played tonight, right, after a couple of drives. Um, Harris was the main early down back, right? Sony Michelle didn't get any reps, you know, early. You know, with James White, he was coming in as well in passing situations, you know, for those first couple of drives. Now, when Mac Jones came in, he did get some reps with some starters. Some offensive linemen stayed in. Uh, but Sony Michelle came in for Damian Harris once that happened. Now, I want to bring this up because, you know, Damian Harris is somebody that a lot of people are targeting in drafts. And I was as well. However, Sony Michelle apparently is having his best camp ever. And it looks more like a 1A, 1B type situation on early downs than just Damian Harris being that dude on early downs, unfortunately. That's what we thought was going to happen. We thought that Michelle was likely going to be on the bubble. But Michelle, fighting for a roster spot, looks like he's going to be fighting for that 1A spot, you know, pretty much. So, like, it looks like it's going to be another three-man three three backfield with Michelle, you know, with Harris being the main guy, and then you have James White. And if, if Cam Newton is a starter, he's going to be, you know, obviously taking some goal line rushes away. So I'm not sure if I'm all in on Damian Harris this year uh, at his price, even though his price is, is fine. It's just that I don't know how often I'm going to use him. Now, if James White ends up getting hurt, if Sonny Michelle ends up getting hurt, sure. Uh, will they just insert a third guy there? I don't know. Will they let Damian Harris get some passing work? I don't know. There's a lot of questions in the Patriots' backfield as usual. Uh, so Kenneth Gainwell played tonight with the second team, which is a, a good thing, right? We knew that he wasn't necessarily going to play with the first team, uh, but he looked good. Man. Like he had a couple of catches. Uh, I think he had three targets. I feel like he's going to have an impact on the team this year in terms of the passing game, and he's a decent, like very late target for some running back depth in PPR leagues. Um, so he's rising a little bit. People are kind of understanding that that the Eagles. Um, you know, like him and they want to use him. And then Nick Sirianni coming from the Colts and, and you know, they had, you know, Naheem Hines there. So, like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, interesting links between those two teams and that role. Uh, so Kenneth Gamewell can have some fantasy value in PPR leagues. All right. Those are the risers. I want to hit the fallers. Mike Davis. Um, he's falling a bit. And understandably, Quadra Olsen is getting some work with the first team as well. 
Um, I think Cordell Patterson even got some work with the first team. But it looks like Olsen is going to be that number two behind Mike Davis. And there's no guarantee that Mike Davis, um, you know, becomes somebody who, um, you know, is is there every down back or is a three down back, right? It, it You know, it's very possible that Olsen got some reps in the passing game because he's a good pass catcher as well. There is no guarantee that um, Arthur Smith is targeting the running back a ton, right? He didn't do that with the Titans, right? He didn't give Henry, like, a ton of targets. Not to say that Henry, you know, can't, is not, is, like, incapable of of catching the ball. Um, Obviously, you know, Mike Davis had Teddy Bridgewater last year. We always knew that Mike Davis was a good receiver. At least I did. But, you know, for a running back, right? But Teddy Bridgewater is somebody who likes to dump it down, who likes to take the safe throw, short to intermediate. So Mike Davis is somebody he was targeting a ton. Right, um, I'm not sure if they're going to do a similar thing in Atlanta. Is Mike Mike is, is you know is Matt Ryan going to do that? Right, so he obviously becomes a little risky. People are kind of catching on to that, and even though Mike Davis was a, a, a value in the fifth round, it's, you know, as some, as some might say, as even me, like as someone I liked, right? I I think he's he's a little risky there, and if, instead of you know picking a Mike Davis in the fifth. If I can get like a title locket, like I did in a mock I just did, in a PPR draft, like why not get that short thing in that new offense, in that Shane Waldron offense with Russell Wilson? And I don't know. It just seems better to me. It seems just more of a, 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 of a solid pick, if that makes sense. Uh, so Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman, that situation, you know, is it sucks, right, for the Ravens. It sucks for Lamar Jackson. Like Rashad Bateman, you know, was having a good camp. Right, they got Sammy Watkins too. Sammy Watkins is probably the beneficiary of all this, but Rashad Bateman, you know, he had a. I think he had a. There's a groin, right? He's having groin surgery. Um, he will likely miss a couple weeks. He'll be back in September, apparently, according to John Harbaugh. But who knows, right? Who knows when he'll be back? You know, whether that's to practice and whether they're gonna, you know, kind of keep take it easy with him. But I like Marquise Brown because of the fact that Rashad Bateman was gonna be there. And was going to help him take some, you know, help take some defensive coverage away, which is why I like Marquise Brown at his price. But Marquise Brown got a soft tissue injury of his own, so he has a hamstring injury. He likely will be ready for Week One. Now, am I going after Marquise Brown? No, I'm not, because it's, he's kind of in the same situation. Now, will Sammy Watkins, you know, take some of that attention away? Hopefully, that's that's the hope, right? So maybe Marquise Brown is a nice little GPP play, a nice little tournament play in week one. Um, he's that type of player. Um, but I've seen Marquise Brown like, in, in this draft I just did. He dropped like crazy, right? So if you're doing a draft right now and he's in the teens, teen rounds, I think you should take a shot on him because he's the type of player, he's the type of separator that, who is legit and not just deep. Um, so I think if they get their passing game together, I think that, you know, I don't think that multiple wide receivers will be relevant on a week-to-week basis. Um, it might flip-flop from Marquise Brown to Rashad Bateman later in the season to Sammy Watkins here and there. Um, but I think that Marquise Brown is probably the guy I'm targeting, you know, despite the fact that I love, love, love Rashad Bateman as a prospect. Um, but I'm not buying him uh, in, in redraft leagues, uh, at least this year. The entire Colts offense, obviously, after the um, Carson Wentz injury, right? Obviously, Quinton Nelson had the same injury, which is weird. Um, same timeline as well. Jonathan Taylor takes a hit because of that, right? Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell take a big hit because of Carson Wentz. You know, 
I think Michael Pittman is somebody who we can kind of pick up off of waivers later on, you know, in the in the season, you know, Octoberish, right? Maybe Paris Campbell, pick him up off of waivers later on, right? Jonathan Taylor, you know, I'm not drafting him in the first round. I wasn't drafting him in the first round to begin with because of the presence of Naheem Hines, because of the fact that, you know, his head coach loves to use rotations. I love Jonathan Taylor as a prospect. He's my RB1 prospect last year um, over CEH, over everybody. But I just don't think that he's going to have that every down role like he's getting drafted, you know, like he's being drafted at right now. So a lot of people still taking him in the first. I'm not. He's a second-round pick to me. And, you know, I'm hoping that he can take some value away. Now, do I think that he has a higher chance of getting that third down, passing down role than like someone like Antonio Gibson? No. I think Gibson has a higher chance of getting it than Taylor does this year, you know, unless Hines gets hurt. That's the only way. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm low on Jonathan Taylor. I'm lower, than, I'm lower on Jonathan Taylor than the consensus. But as a, I think, a, you know, mid of a second-round pick, I'm cool with that. Uh, Kenny Galladay, you know, has a hamstring injury. Before the hamstring injury, he couldn't show, you know, really any sort of um, rapport with Danny Dimes. So this is a situation I'm avoiding. If Kenny Galladay's ADP ends up in the 12-team league, if he ends up in the sixth round, I'm cool with that. Uh, I'm not drafting him right now, though, because he has a hamstring injury. But once he's healthy uh, and his ADP ends up in the sixth round, I'm cool with that. I'll take it. But I'm not excited about it. I'm not excited about him and the fact that he was never able to command, you know, that wide receiver one target share with Marvin Jones there um, in in Detroit. Uh, so I don't know that he does that for the Giants. And this right now this Giants offense looks like a mess. Outside of Saquon, I just don't want to touch it. Devontae Smith uh, has an MCL injury. He can play in week one. Um, so that's a good sign. I am I'm someone who will be de- drafting the shit out of Devontae Smith if he ends up falling into the teen rounds, um, and I hope he does because I think he can kill it, and I think he's an elite separator, and I think he'll be just fine in the NFL, and on top of that, he will likely be the wide receiver one for his team. So I am in. Uh, Michael Thomas, like I drafted this dude in like the eighth round. <laughs> in a 10-team PPR draft I just did. I mean, listen, most leagues are going to have an IR spot this year because of COVID. I hope your league has one. So I'll draft Michael Thomas in the 6th, 7th round. I'll throw him in the IR, and then I'll have another sleeper like Brian Edwards. I'll just pick him up, throw him in the back of my bench, and hopefully I got something there. It just I'm just buying another lottery ticket. Drafting Michael Thomas... He can be. He can put up wide receiver one numbers when he's back, whenever that is. Week six, week seven, week eight, whatever. Half a season, it's cool. You know. So I'm cool drafting Michael Thomas, and then and then you know just picking up another lottery ticket after my draft is over. I'm cool with that. Saquon Barkley, and by the way, everyone who's saying I don't want to touch Michael Thomas this year, why not? Like, who are you drafting? Who are you drafting over Michael Thomas in the seventh round that you're just like I have to have this guy. You know, sure, you, you're you buying Jerry Judy's breakout. Okay, fine. I get it. You want to draft Michael Carter because you need a running back. I get it. Okay, sure. You want to get Antonio Brown because you want, uh, you know, a guy who can give you wide receiver three numbers, but has a wide receiver one type of ceiling. Okay, I get it. Sure. With the full offseason with Tom Brady. Sure, I get it. But it's not much else. 
to be honest. Okay. Saquon Barkley, uh, he's off the pup. Great news for Saquon. Um, great news for his availability for week one. They're not saying whether he will be. I think they're still sticking with the same narrative, but the fact that he never had any setbacks, take advantage of his ADP falling. If he's in the back end of the first round, you got to pick him up. He has the upside to be the overall running back one, along with Christian McCaffrey. So even after a torn ACL. Blake Jarwin, you know, he's likely the starter when healthy. Um, You know, he's a better player. He has more upset than Dalton Schultz. And obviously, he's not 100% right now. uh, But you have to keep an eye on him. If he's not drafted and you punted the tight end position, he's somebody that, you know, you should take a look at. This offense is going to be the fastest-paced offense in the NFL. They can support, like, four or five fantasy weapons on on, on, just off of this offense alone. Uh, And they can all be consistent. So I'm cool with him. Uh, you know, taking him late. Um, he should be healthy when the season starts. So, you know, he's somebody that a lot of people are likely sleeping on, but they shouldn't. When he's back, he's going to be somebody that will likely be a top 10 tight end. Miles Sanders didn't even suit up for the Eagles for the first preseason game tonight, uh, even though he's healthy. That's actually a very, very good sign for him. Um, all the other running backs suited up, but they chose to keep Miles Sanders in bubble wrap, which is great. Um Though, you know, I don't now through, I don't know how many practices, though, up until right now, today, he was literally the only running back on the Eagles to get a carry with the first team in camp. No other running back got a, got a carry with the first team. So, Miles Sanders is the guy on early downs. Okay. I understand that he might come off the field here and there in passing situations. I get that. But I think the Miles Sanders hate has gone a little bit too far. The Eagles line, you know, they, they obviously improved from last year. Uh, it was a shit show on that line. Um, and I think Miles Sanders, like, it, with the with the rushing quarterback, right, obviously we were worried about the checkdowns, but if he's not going to be the pass catcher anyway, that's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, not only that, but Carson Wentz was absolutely atrocious checking it down to running backs last year. Miles Sanders actually had a bunch of catches that were uncatchable. How do you have that many uncatchable passes as a running back? That's crazy. So Miles Sanders, you know, he's somebody that, you know, I think is being a little bit, you know, hated on a little bit too much going into this year. I mean, I've seen him slip, at, you know, in, into the fourth, middle of the fourth, something like that. I mean, that's, that's a little bit too much. He's going to be an RB2 this year at the very least, a consistent one. So he'll be fine. Will he be touchdown dependent a little bit this year? Sure. If he, especially if he's not as involved in the pass game. But can I see him, you know, catch, you know, average like three catches a game? Yeah. That's good. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But yeah, okay. That's all I got, guys. That's it. This is fun. I like solo pods. I gotta do this. I gotta do this more often. But I also like Joey. I also like having friends. I also like doing pods with other people. But I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. I know we talked about a lot of players. It was a lot of information. If you gotta listen to this again, just do it. Just do it. Um, we'll see you guys again for another episode. I'm trying to hit two podcast episodes a week uh, until uh, until the season starts. Um, and then from there, we'll have a few episodes per week. Obviously, the waiver wires, the start sits, all that, um, Monday reviews. We're, we're going to figure all that out, and we'll put out the schedule. We'll let you guys know. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, hit me up on Instagram, at Upper Hand Fantasy. Um, again, if you need your, 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 your trophies <laughs> and you want to get a free ring with your trophies, you got to hit up Trophy Smack. Upper Hand Fantasy is the promo code you want to use. And if you want to get in on those best ball tournaments, millions of dollars in prizes, 
uh, you got to hit up Underdog Down their app. They have a great app. And when you make your first deposit, you're going to get a free $25 to play with. And you can use that to enter either five puppy, two tournaments. You can use it to enter the, you know, the millions of three. I think they have $3.5 million in prizes, $1 million, uh, $1 million to the first place winner uh, in their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament. Um, and this that $25 will get you a free entry into that Best Ball Mania draft. All you got to do is draft. No, no waiver wires, nothing. Use the promo code UPPERHAND for that to get those $25. Uh, but guys, th- thank you so much for listening to this. I really appreciate it. Um, hit me up if you if you want to review the podcast. That would be amazing. Uh, you know, obviously a five star review would be awesome. Um, but thank you guys. Take it easy. I'll see you next time. See ya.